And right around this time on Friday mornings, we check in with Barb for Gardening with Barb and Karen. But uh, Karen out today, so it's uh, just Gardening with Barb and maybe a little bit with Dwayne. But uh, but we're going to rely a little more heavily on Barb for today's show. <laughs> Good morning, Barb. Hey there, Dwayne, and thank you. And you know what? I'm surprised by how much you know about gardening. Oh. You always amaze me with, with <laughs> the amount of information you know about everything. I know there's something here that would be familiar to everyone listening, and, and that has been the weather, especially the wind. Oh, yeah. oh my goodness. Even before we had uh, Wednesday and Thursday night's wind, we had had an unusually windy spring. And for the gardener, uh, especially those who have perennial plants that come up every year, it meant taking some special precautions. And uh, I've certainly had to do that in my garden as uh, as the like the lilies, the Asiatics, the Orientals, as they started emerging from the ground, the wind was so strong that they, when they reached about four inches, they'd start bending, bending in the direction of the wind, and I was afraid they would snap off. And so you have to make little um, protection, little shelter belts for them. And in some cases, like the Asiatics, I used uh, uh, cedar shingles, the shakes that you can buy at the uh, uh, your big box store and made just like a, a fence around them and and that worked really well I've kept that on and other things like daffodils and tulips um, they needed something that um, was maybe um, you could you could just slip it around them close up like a collar and I had been saving coffee cans, the biggest coffee can, taking out the tops and the bottom lids, and and I slipped those on the plant, and I soon found out that they would not stay in place because the wind would just blow them off. So I had to anchor them on the outside with uh, with some additional of those those wooden shakes that I had, and that kept them in place. And believe it or not, on um, Wednesday and Thursday night when we had the winds, those things stayed in place, and that was really a good thing. Yeah, it's it's so important. Um, you have to. Uh, you can't take for granted that you can do things the same every every season. You have to kind of anticipate. And uh, this year the wind was something that just wouldn't stop. And I kept thinking, you know, how can I protect these things? And uh, and I was glad that I had. And you know, after all this wind, that I didn't lose any tulips or any daffodils. They were just standing up there. You know, just just as happy as can be. The heat yesterday was particularly harmful. That, even though the wind didn't bother them, the heat certainly did, and uh, and they started losing their vigor. And this morning, uh, 
most of the daffodils were done blooming. The blooms were just wilted. So so you sometimes you just can't win. But then again, <laughs> there are other things that are coming up, and so we have to be hopeful about that. The thing with um, the tulips, daffodils, any of these spring bulbs, when they get done blooming, you cut off the whole stem, not just the flower, but the whole stem. Take that out. That's done. And then all of the vigor goes back into the leaves for the rest of the plant. They will store up enough food energy so that next spring you'll have beautiful flowers again. So just something you have to do. And if it's too wet to get out in your garden this morning and clip those off, you can wait till it just... Uh, uh, the, the soil dries up a little bit. We know that when we walk on wet soil, we compress it, and that takes the oxygen away from the roots of the plants. And contrary to what a lot of people believe, the roots do need air. And uh, so, so that would be a task to put to put on your list of things, many things to do right now. So far as uh, putting out new plants. Uh, new plants, especially those, well, whether they were grown in a greenhouse or in your home, they are extremely tender, and they don't take wind at all well. You're going to have to put some kind of a uh, protective barrier around them so that they don't blow over. Um, they will, if, if, they don't, if you didn't kill them, if they're not too badly damaged, they, some of them will come back. Tomatoes especially, it takes a couple of weeks. Once they've been stressed by wind or cold, it does take them at least two weeks to survive, to come back, I should say. So so just just something to think about. Things you could put in your garden right now certainly are uh, things like uh, your uh, cauliflower, uh, cabbages, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, those things. Those are cold crops. And they'll do very well, no matter what the weather is going to be now. Except, of course, if we get hail. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so but, at least yeah. we're uh, we're looking at a little bit, you know, more more temperate weather here for the next uh, week or so. So, maybe uh, some of these things that were out and then got hit with the wind and the you know and the high heat and humidity that kind of stressed them, I mean, they have a chance to kind of recover a little bit here. Yeah. I hope so. And, you know, if there's any way that you can baby these things uh, to try and save them, that's a good idea, too. Shade is really, really important. Uh, if you can make a little teepee using some of these these shake shingles, sure. uh, that works really, really well. But, hey, you know what else is important to the gardeners and to anyone that goes outdoors and spends time outdoors is, is, is your eyes. And May is healthy vision month and so our attention turns to to us not just our plants but we think about us and keeping us healthy right. and particularly our eyes one of the things that we forget is that actually any time you're outside you should wear sunglasses because even if the sun isn't shining there still is UVA and UV the uh, ultraviolet so protect your eyes and if you're going into your garden anything that you're doing um, 
you should wear safety lenses, safety glasses, uh, and you should get good ones. And they should say that they are UVA and UVB, and they are 99% protective uh, from the ultraviolet. Really invest in good ones. If you've had your safety glasses for some time and they get scratched up, just dump them and get another pair. And, uh, and it's really worthwhile. It really saved your eyes. The other thing about your eyes is it's not just what you put on to protect them. It's also what you eat. And so here again, um, all your vegetables, all your fruits are very good for your, for, for every, for your whole body. Exercise is also good for your eyes because it makes your heart pump faster and um, you're circulating. Your blood is going all over to all parts of your body. This is really, really good for your eyes as well. So I would say uh, think about your eyes, and if you haven't had an eye exam for a while, it might be a good time to think about doing that. And, um, and be sure you're you're taking your children in and getting them examined too. You know, my our granddaughter came here to go to college. She came from Germany, and the first thing we did was have her eyes checked. And um, while well, her eyes were okay, um, she she said to me, "Grandma, when's the last time you had your eyes checked?" <laughs> and I said, "Oh, gee, I don't remember." <laughs> and um, so, what's the, good for the goose uh, is good for the gander, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the ophthalmologist said, well, we can make an appointment for you. And he did, and that's when they found out I had glaucoma. Ah, see? I, I mean, that's something that you have no clue. You don't feel any different. You're still, your vision is good, but you have this pressure on your eyes, and you've got to um, go on drops and things and take care of that yeah. so it doesn't get any worse. So I thought, gee, you know, my granddaughter hadn't come. Yeah, and, and she wore contacts, so I was very concerned that you know we should make sure that everything was okay with yeah. that. So anyway, that that's just another thing. Don't forget about that. And they talked too about um, you know when you're gardening, um, and uh, if if you're digging in in the dirt and that, be sure that you're using gloves and and be sure you take those gloves off before if you need to brush your eye or anything up on your face. Anything that's been in contact with the soil should not come in contact with your face. In uh, in talking about that, uh, in in thinking about the UV stuff, your your skin it's pretty important to protect your skin along uh, the way too, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Um, I wanted to be sure and talk about that. I'm glad you mentioned it because I have my uh, sunscreen uh, right in front of me, and I have SPF 50. So <clears throat> as I've aged here, uh, I'm using um, a higher percentage of SPF, and it's now up to 50 to protect my skin. Everything, you know, your face, your nose, your ears, and, and wear a hat. For goodness sakes, wear a hat. That's important as well. It's also important to understand that uh, that when when the uh, um, uh, uh, the S um, the SUV and uh, uh, is is highest sure when the you when the rays are the are the strongest yeah. there during the day yeah yeah right and you know so like in the morning they're 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 not very strong because the sun isn't isn't up as high as it continues to be but 
starting about noon, it goes up higher. Maybe the highest is going to go noon to 1 o'clock. And so if you want to get out and garden, do it early in the morning and, and then take off for a couple hours. And then later on in the day, you can go back out again. But you can always get this information out of the AccuWeather forecast, and and that's really fairly accurate, I think, and it's a, it's a guideline for you. So so pay attention to when you're outside and and be sure and wear your safety equipment and and uh, ask other people when was the last time you had your eyes checked? Maybe you need to do that. Good idea. So somebody yeah. had a tomatoes question for you. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, it uh, we had more questions about tomatoes this year than any other year that I can think of. And the question was about tomatoes cracking. And um, I know we've had this in our garden uh, occasionally and just kind of accepted it as, well, that's just, it's not a real problem. It doesn't kill the plant. But actually what it is is when we have a drought, so there's no rain, and then after, after the drought, then we have a large amount of moisture. What happens is that moisture rushes into that fruit, that tomato itself, and the skins crack. The skin of the tomato is, is very thin, and and what happens is that that tomato is growing so fast it just bursts the skin. It's it's not a disease. It's strictly environmental. And what you can do is um, you should watch if you're getting what we need for uh, most of our vegetables and fruits is one inch of moisture a week. And whether you get that from the rainfall or you're adding, you should. You should stay on that schedule. So when it gets hot, you're going to have to be sure that you're putting down at least an inch. And to keep that soil from drying out, add at least three inches of mulch on top of that so the soil doesn't dry out. And you will, to most, mostly you will prevent that. You're still going to have some of that maybe. But that, that is the cause of it. So you can start thinking about that. Now, if if you have tomatoes and they're looking just beautiful, but you think, well, maybe, I mean, it's been dry and you've been waiting for the rain and you didn't water, and you think, I think maybe if we don't get rain tonight, tomorrow I will water. And um, and, and then that night, maybe that's when the, when the skin just cracks because it starts raining it's just it it breaks open and you go out in the morning and there you've got these cracks and you think oh that was the most beautiful tomato well if your tomatoes are really that nice and they're not cracked pick them and bring them in put them on the cupboard and let them finish ripening there and they won't crack for you so especially you know kids in 4-h they're going to take tomatoes to the fair can you imagine what a disappointment that is sure yeah, you go out, and there's your prize-winning tomato, and it it has cracks in it, and you just can't take that. So <laughs> it, it doesn't hurt you, by the way, to eat those. Okay. Uh, Yep, yep. Yeah, it's so. uh, it uh, you know, yeah, you think about that. It's uh you're, you're at the mercy of the weather and a lot of other things. There's a lot of you know, uh, when you're 
when you're growing things, whether you're a gardener or a farmer or whatever, you know, you're you're at the mercy of the weather and a lot of things that are way beyond your control. So when it when it does turn out nice that you have one of those prize-winning tomatoes, that's a, a pretty cool thing. So. Yeah, it is. Hey, you know, talking about food and growing food, I just read a statistic. Did you know that um, uh, farmers are getting less for their food now? Here's, let me read this to you. Farmers and ranchers receive 14 cents on average out of every retail dollar spent on food that is eaten at home and away from home. In 1980, they were, farmers were receiving 35 cents out of every retail dollar spent on food in the U.S. It's really tough to be a farmer yeah. now. 14 cents on every dollar spent on food. That's not a lot of return for their money, is it? Not really, and it's a thankless task. But we want to talk one final thing here. Uh, the plant sale. Master Gardener's having a plant sale, huh? Yes, we are this well, last year we couldn't have one because of COVID, but we're back to it again. Um, this sale is tomorrow, May 14th. It's from 9 to 11.30 a.m. The location is the Caledonia Curling Club. That's 600 Hope Street. Um, that's off of Madison Avenue. I think most people know where that's at. Oh, sure. And we'll have Master Gardeners there that will answer your questions, talk about the plants they brought to share with you. And they're always, there's always interesting plants that come in. Well, that was what I was going to ask. Uh, what, are, what are the kind of plants that I would be, uh, be finding there at the plant sale? Well, you know, it's um, perennials for the most part. But like Norla Hess, one of our members, she always brings um, her plants, which are, um, <laughs> I can't even think of them right now. Um, it's, it's an annual. What is it? Anyway, uh, so that's an annual, but for the most part, these are are perennials. Okay. Uh, and now those the are the ones. Bring them. We'll talk about them. Those are the ones that you plant them, and then they continue to come up. The perennials, right? Yeah, that's okay. right. Yeah, I always have to remember that for our area because they've been <laughs> grown in our area. Sure. That is so important um, uh, to have plants that are grown locally, and. Uh, here we have a protocol from the University of Minnesota on how to prepare plants for the public because of the jumping worm that exists in some areas. That's that, that angle worm, and it's very invasive. So you have to take the, all the soil off from the root, and then we have a, a water that's mixed with bleach, just a 10% of bleach with water, and you dip the roots in that. So you're sure you're not bringing any eggs with, and then you repot them in sterile soil. So uh, if yeah, you're worried about that, don't yeah, worry. Karen was telling me about that. Uh, I think last week she was mentioning that uh, you know when she 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 went to a a, a sale a couple of weeks ago, uh, yeah. and and she was uh, talking about uh, what it uh, took to to uh, to prepare for those kind of things, to prepare for plant sales, how much you did have to kind of repot things and, and do sure, this, uh, sure. this stuff. And, yeah. You know, here's the thing. If you go to any private plant sale like that, you want to be sure and ask them what they did. If they just dug them up uh, and put them in pots or how they treated that. Because one thing about this um, 
jumping worm, it's, uh, once you get it in your soil, it's kind of hard to get rid of it. Mm. And what it does, it, it, uh, especially in the forest, it goes in and it eats everything. It, it, it's a consumer of the wildflowers and everything, and we lose things that way. So it kind of goes in and sterilizes the whole ground by eating up the plants that we want to keep there. Well, anything else you want to mention, Barb? We've got about two minutes left before we need to make way for the uh, Maverick uh, magazine here. So, uh, Yeah, um, I wanted to mention to you uh, my friend and fellow Master Gardener when we started, started the Master Gardeners 40 years ago, Marge Meredith just died in this was last week. There was a notice in the paper. People know her. She started the Twilight Garden Club. Just a fantastic person. Um, there were three of us that started out 40 years ago with the Master Gardeners. One was Dr. Ronnie Burst, uh, Burton, and the other one was Marge Meredith and myself. And now both of them are gone, which is, you know, such a void. People, after you garden so much, so many years, you have such a broad knowledge sure so, so well, thank um, goodness that uh, you know there are our new folks coming in with Karen becoming a master gardener and other other folks uh, going yeah, through the yeah. the training and the courses to be able to to know those yeah. things and then have the conversations like you guys are having you know to let other folks know and I, I know that's a huge piece to you and uh, of, of your uh, of you know that that you like to just have conversations with people and and let them know about things they might not know about in the gardening world. Absolutely. And, you know, it's always good to just sit down and talk to someone. And um, I always invite people to come up to my garden because maybe there's something you'll see that you didn't know that we could grow here as well as answer your questions about uh, um, how do you how how do you do that successfully? So yeah, and they can always reach us at the radio station if they have any questions or I'm out and about. If you see me, don't be afraid. Uh, talking to people <laughs> is something I enjoy as much as gardening. You sure do, Barb. I love it. You're always up for a good conversation. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for being part of KMSU for so many years as well. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you to our listeners yes. for. Um, being out there all the time. Well, we'll let you go, and uh, thanks again for the uh, the show today. Okay, have yes. a good week. <laughs> you too. Bye-bye. That is uh, Barb Lamson with us on this week's edition of Gardening with Barb and Karen.